Hi, this is Mia. And this is Tina. And you're listening to Yeah, No, the podcast about starting a business at the intersection of design and healthcare. Hello. Hi. <laughs> I'm so excited about this season. This is the best season ever. It's the best it's season, season too. because it's about something we love about healthcare. It's about healthcare. We're talking about healthcare and observation today. Observation. It's all about the art of looking. Seeing. Is there a difference between those two? I think so. Hmm. Maybe the difference is that looking can be a passive thing while seeing feels like an active observation. That's right? a good. Yeah. And in healthcare, that for us is really important. So we wanted to talk about it today. Yeah. You and I can talk about healthcare forever. True that. <laughs> I wonder if other people think it's weird. They probably think it's annoying. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry. Blanket sorry to, to everyone To all out friends. There. Yes. That we, we, we're like. And non-friends. Only talk about That's health. not true. We do talk about other things. Yeah. Like what? <laughs> I was going to tell you a joke. Okay. Tell me. Knock, knock. I just, I was going to tell you <laughs> a joke and then kidding. you start by saying knock, knock. I was thinking about it because I was thinking about Pete, my partner in crime. Your husband. So all listeners out there, Pete is Tina's husband. He doesn't like to label himself. (laughs) (laughs) But no, here's a joke. Ready? Pete and repeat. We're walking down the street. Pete walks away. Who's left? Repeat. Pete and repeat. We're walking down the street. (laughs) (laughs) That's really funny because I was going to do the banana one. The The knock 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 banana banana joke. But it's that one's ongoing. not as funny. This one's more funny because it's <laughs> because it's re- anyway. Okay. Well, you know, another thing I'm very excited about with this season is stories of health. Today's story of health brought to you by that's what we get a, I know. that's what we actually we, get I feel like we, maybe we need a story of health theme song yeah should we talk to chess yeah okay by the way chess is mia's husband <laughs> <laughs> i feel i feel that that we should say that our story of health today is about jill and jill is a remarkable teenager that i met Gosh, a really long time ago now, almost 15 years, so she's probably not a teenager anymore. How old was she when you met her? She was 14. She had von Willebrand's disease, which is a blood clotting disorder. And we were talking to her about her challenges and her everyday and her medications. And, you know, she's was in high school at the time and was talking a lot about her classes and her friends and just what every high schooler talks about. And when we left, we realized that she really did not talk about her disease. Von Willebrands can be pretty serious. And for us, it was kind of this insight around the absence of her disease and how she right. didn't actually mention it when she talked about her challenges. Her challenges were more about things like 
chemistry and which you know yeah. is really hard in yeah, high school I mean, it takes priority yeah i think it's really relevant to today's topic because we're going to talk about observation and for that story it was observing that there was an absence of something rather than something that was very obvious and in front of us and i thought that that was indicative of how you look and see in healthcare. right and in this case it was what you didn't see yeah that's right you picked this topic why did you choose observation? I feel like observation is something that's really hard to teach. I'm constantly being asked about what is it that I saw or what is it that I remembered or what is it that I recognized. So personally, I wanted to try to do a little bit of research on how do you teach observation? And it can be really difficult. One of the best articles I found was from this brain pickings website. They kind of broke it down into two really nice things, which is that there's two elements of observation. One is the visual, obviously, and one is the mental. And I think part of the mental is that it can be conscious and it can be unconscious. So as you're walking down the street and you see your street scene, you are observing many, many, many things. But part of them as you're observing them are conscious and unconscious. And I think that that's the just differences between just people who kind of have mastered an art of observing and people who haven't. Right. That their conscious observing is much larger than their unconscious observe, observing. It's like bird watchers. You know, whenever I go bird watching, I, I don't see shit. <laughs> I see them fly, yeah. but I never see them in the tree. Right. Uh-huh. And I always wonder, like, are they really seeing stuff? It's a sixth too? sense. Well, I think that that's, that's it, right? It's a habit. They've yeah. that's what they are trained. They've trained They're themselves. For birds. Yes, they've trained themselves to to look for those things. Do you think that we observe things differently than how others observe? You and I. Well, I think maybe people in healthcare or even as designers. Well, I think those are. Two different things. I think healthcare people probably are looking for healthcare things. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the tensions that we've identified really is that once you see things through the lens of healthcare, sometimes that's all you see. Mm-hmm. And I think in the example of Jill, the assumption is that she's going to be just fully into her condition and, you know, her life revolves around it. And what we know about human beings is that people don't want to think about it all the time. And mm-hmm. so that is an assumption in observation that we try to challenge all the time. We have to remember that healthcare is in service of having a life. Yeah. As designers, I think it's a little bit like do you remember Magic Eye? That book. Those oh, yeah. books. Yeah. You I know? was terrible at that. It wasn't just a book. Well, it was an image. You could frame one and put it on your wall. <laughs> it was, like it was a, art. Yes. It was art. It yeah. was it was an art book. <laughs> a fine art book. But it was a pattern, right? And you had to do this looking in a certain way in order to see what image would come out of the pattern, right? You could look at magic eye and only see the dots or only see the color or only see the pattern of the dots. But what you're trying to do is let something else emerge. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's the insight. The insight may not be that there's 10,000 blue dots all clustered together, but that when you align them in this way, a unicorn comes out. Yeah. Um, So I feel like I'm pretty good at observation, but why was I so terrible (laughs) at those? You couldn't do it? No. 
Oh my terrible God. at them. I do think it is a relaxing of your brain so your brain can access new parts. Yeah, I I guess I find myself struggling with that a little bit though because I feel like we talk a lot about passive and active looking, Yeah. right? And to me, active looking is not a relaxed mind because I feel like if we were to say passive and active and then we were to say relaxed and not relaxed, I would say relaxed goes with passive and not relaxed goes with active. It's like that syndrome where you drive from your house to work and you don't remember your commute. Right. You know, it's like that where you're not even... Tuned out. Yeah, you're completely tuned out. So you know right. people who walk down the street who are like that. Yeah. And so I feel like it is that kind of thing where it's yeah. passive looking is there's a lot of things that are going by, but right. nothing could be going through your mind, right. right? And active looking means that you're trying to find something. An example of this is you buy a new... Volvo. Yep. And all you Subaru? can see are, yeah, oh my gosh. When we bought our Subaru, everyone had a Subaru. But I don't think actually that's active. I think it's true. It's a true fact. <laughs> Where I live, everyone has a Subaru Outback. <laughs> but I do think that, you know, it's like when you buy something or you had something, all you can do is see other people who have that exact same thing. Right. You're identifying. But I think also that's part of humans being social yeah. creatures. Well, I wanted to buy a pantsuit and you're wearing a pantsuit right now. <laughs> Right. Maybe it's not active and passive, but it's like a surface level observation versus something that is below the surface that you pull into your observation. Maybe that's the difference between seeing and looking. Looking is very surface. I look at that thing and I I see characteristics of it. I'm looking at a knob on the control and it's round. Seeing is feels like it's more engaged and it's really allowing you to tap into what do I think that knob does? Right. So I feel like there is some kind of thread that you're pulling in from your logic or your memories or your perceptions. Yeah, when we can learn how to be conscious observers, we can help to identify problems more easily. And if we can identify problems more easily, we can apply our designerly ways of thinking, which is to problem solve. Right. And so in healthcare in the work that we do, we're constantly trying to arrive at insight and people get observation and insight very confused because an observation as we define it is something that you can see, right? It's something right. that you observe. An insight is something that you can't see. Oh, that's interesting. And as I was reading that article in Brain Pickings about observation, one of the simplest ways that they talked about what successful observation looks like to me is actually what an insight is, which they say it? they say it's when we can see rem resemblances or correlations between things that on the surface appeared quite unrelated. I would say that that was an insight. Ah, that's good. And in healthcare, it's oftentimes seeing unrelated things and being able to draw them together to help solve for a challenge. Right. Right. <laughs> Why do you think that we emphasize observation so much in our work with healthcare? One of the critical aspects of healthcare is being able to identify challenges that a lot of times 
the people themselves have not identified our challenges. It's very easy to see somebody else having a problem, but it's right. really hard to recognize yourself having, even if it could be the same problem, right? right? When we're talking to people who have chronic disease, it's really hard for them to identify their own challenges. But through the art of observation, we can identify those challenges for them. Right. And ultimately, there is some problem solving that happens in healthcare, right? The reason we want to solve for healthcare is that we hope that people's problems can be reduced yeah. in the end, yeah. right? Nobody wants to be sick all the time. And I think on the, the flip side of us using problem solving to come up with better solutions is that ultimately we want people to be able to problem solve for themselves, That's right. right? So as I'm sick, how do I know which things to focus on? How do I know what question is important to ask my doctor? How do I know if I'm really sick? Yeah. How do I know if I'm getting better? Right. Those are key things that I think we are always trying to say, if we can get a solution to help a patient problem solve better for themselves, everybody's going to be in a, a better state, you know? Yeah. And physicians too. Physicians, that's their job is to problem solve, right? Somebody comes in and they're like, ah, my spleen or, you know, <laughs> I don't know. They're probably saying like, I have a headache. And then they're asking you questions to figure out. Right how to get below the surface of that or figure out what's going on. I have a story about that. It's from a lupus project that we just finished and a woman who had had her hip replaced was telling us the story of how she'd gotten her hip replaced and she said that she had had tremendous pain in her knees for a very long time and she got an MRI she got right. all these things done around her knees and her knees were fine they kept saying they're fine nothing's wrong with your knees but it was getting to a point where she couldn't walk you know right. her knees were in so much pain and she went to the doctor who she had been with for many many years and knew her very well and she got up to leave and her doctor said hold on a second she said I want you to walk down this hallway and I'm going to watch you walk. And her doctor, because she knew her so yeah. well, saw her walking and she said, it's not your knees, it's your hips. Her hips were collapsing, which wow. were causing her knees to have a lot of pain. Right. So when she got an MRI of her hips, they were like, oh yeah, it's totally your hips. Wow. What I love about that is we talk about what makes a good doctor. Yeah. And part of that is problem solving. Right. That's such a good story. It's the act of really trying to be an investigator and getting below the surface of it. How do you teach other people how to observe? Ugh. That's it's so hard. Ugh. You know, I think it's one of those things that everybody thinks that because you see or you have eyes that you can do it, right? Is that true? Yes. But you have to show somebody how to do it. You're a very good observer, I feel like. You both do observation and insight together. And you see things that I feel like other people don't see in a very magic eye kind of way. In the research that you do, when you go, you always pull back something weird or unseen by someone else, or you're able to highlight something that brings people to a, an insightful place, a meaningful place. So that's your talent. So if you were thinking back, what are the three things that you think contribute to good observation? The skills. I would say that one is to try to keep a deep catalog of things that you see and two is that if something in your gut stands out at you, try to 
question why it stands out to you. Then the third would be to put those two things together. When you can access a database of things that you've seen and you can have a good gut about seeing something that's good, then when you put those two things together, you oftentimes arrive at something that's really powerful or meaningful. That's just like Magic Eye. It's totally not like Magic Eye. (laughs) I'm telling you, I'm terrible at Magic Eye. (laughs) At the end part of that article, they talk about training and observation. And it's not an easy way, but it's, they say it quite simply, which is basically you just have to practice. God, I hate that answer. I know, it's it's terrible. like I want to know how to do something and then people are just like you got to practice. I know, and it's painful. Training people to actively look rather than to passively observe. Right. And you, they have to just keep doing it in order for them to get familiarity and to for it to just become more of a a habit. To just wrap things up, observation super important in healthcare because it helps us solve problems in a more meaningful way. Yeah. And not just for designers, but for everyone involved in healthcare. Like there's always a issue that you're bringing to it, but there's different ways of solving that issue, right? Yeah. I have a question. You talked about Jill in the beginning. What did you guys come up with or what was the solution in not seeing that she was talking about her disease all the time? Well, I think that the biggest thing was that we... The idea that we developed couldn't lead with the disease because she would immediately disconnect from it if we said, this is for your Von Willebrand's disease, right? Because she would say, well, I don't need anything for my Von Willebrand's disease. I'm fine. And so that was a key design principle that we went in with. And we said, we can't lead with that this is for your disease. We have to lead with this is helping with your life. Yeah. Because she, as a teenager, you know, Life is drama. (laughs) (laughs) It's all about life. What's the next episode about? What? 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 That was a little hard on that what. (laughs) Our next episode is going to be about privacy in healthcare. So you should consider subscribing to Yeah No because you don't want to miss the episode about privacy. Yeah, you want to find out. Yeah. We're going to expose some secrets. And make sure to leave a review for us because we love reviews. We want to know what you like, what you don't like. And you can find us on the internet at yeahnopodcast.com and also on Instagram. You can see the magic eye that I'm wearing. I'm going to post it on Instagram after this episode. That's right. We're sitting right here in Figure Eight Studios in Brooklyn. Michael P. Coleman is at the helm. He's in the helm. And this episode has been produced and edited and curated by the fabulous Tori Fleck. Don't forget about our music by oh. Mia's husband, Chessman. <laughs> Rechess. I'm going to rechess him. <laughs> Bye. (laughs) Bye.